Morphin Legacy presents The Grid. Howdy, Ranger Nation. This is Shatteray22, Vice President of MorphinLegacy.com, welcoming you to another great retrospective where we'll be reviewing Power Ranger Dino Thunder. Joining me in this retrospective is Austin. Hi. And Amber. Hi. So how this will work is that the three of us will roundtable discuss the characters, our favorite and least favorite aspects of the season, and then wrap up the discussion by giving our overall thoughts and comparing it to other seasons. So with that, let's go ahead and get this shit started. Alrighty, so let's talk about what this season is about. Tommy found a giant rock with gems in it and gives it to three diverse teenagers, which makes them dinosaur superheroes. Also, a rich boy finds his own gem, but an evil version. I don't know. I think I got a better one. Here's mine. Tommy somehow becomes a PhD and maybe, but not maybe, accidentally recruits three teenagers to rehash some dino hijinks. Also, maybe he's got some sexual tension with a billionaire slash reptile man and a school principal slash sexy bad girl. Also, there's Trent, who's an allegory to remind us that Tommy used to be an evil ranger too but he got better you guys. And then they're all judgy judgy with Trent even though their fucking mentor was the first ever evil ranger. We gotta start the Tommy ripping very early in this episode. We have so much ground to cover. We got some characters get through before Tommy so let's start off with Connor McKnight the red dino ranger. Terrell power! Red ranger! So Connor McKnight, out of the main three, I feel like gets the most development because he starts out as a literal douchebag, misogynistic, narcissistic ass clown. Let's not beat around the bush. He's a piece of shit. With good hair. Very good hair. And it gets better throughout the season too. His literal first scene is him calling Principal Randall a chia. Dude, you're supposed to try and stop it. You sure we're not going to get in trouble for this? I mean, the bell rang and it's the first day. Look. If anyone says anything, tell him Connor McKnight gave you permission to be out here. Yeah, but I heard the new principal is crazy. She worked in a prison or something before she came here. <laughs> Don't worry about Randall. She's a woman. And women are just growing up girls. <sighs> Need I say more? I think you've said quite enough, Mr. McKnight. Principal Randall. I have heard such great things about you. Vicious rumors, I can assure you. Go. He also calls Kira a babe, which she's totally not here for. You treat Avril Lavigne with some respect, Connor. He would eventually grow out of these traits, though, and would show his teammates and a girl he likes with respect. Like with tree girl, Krista. He starts being a bit of a manipulative with her, pretending to give a fuck about some random ass old tree. But he eventually learns to be more sympathetic to her and be honest with her, and the two would end up going to prom together. Tree girl. I had to bring tree girl into this somehow, because I love tree girl. I don't know 
know why you simp for her. I just think it's funny that everyone calls her Tree Girl because I called her Tree Girl before I remembered her name because that's all her personality is. She's the Tree Girl. Also, one stand-up moment from Connor, however, that I would like to mention is from Leader of the Whack where all the Dino Rangers get their personalities changed and he becomes a huge-ass nerd. That is so hot. Lastly, Connor has a lot of power-ups this season. At the time, up to Jaden, I think, he had the most at three because he has Super Dino Mode, he has Triassic Mode, and then he has his Triassic Battleizer. Would you really count Super Dino Mode because everybody has that? That's kind of like saying that Leo had a big power-up because he also had the lights of Orion that literally everybody else had too. But even having two, he still had the most out of everyone until Jaden. That's fair. Does anyone else have anything about Connor before we move on to Ethan? I love his hair. I do love his hair, but my notes are he's a shitty jock turned honestly himbo. Slowly learns that, hey, maybe don't be a dick to the less popular kids, but also how did he stay popular when he started to hang out with them? Also, he really likes hippies, which is fine, I guess, but that's also a demerit. What's wrong with Tree Girl? She just gives off vegan vibes. Oh, she'd probably call you out for eating meat. If Connor ever ate a hamburger or something, she'd like, that is a living creature, Connor McKnight. And then my last one is, do I sense sexual tension with Trent? Uh, yeah. For some reason, I kind of think of the episode where he's wearing that tank top, and then Trent comes in, and he's like, hey, want to fight? And then he morphs and can just see his pit. Alrighty, so let's move on to Ethan James, the Blue Dino Ranger. Nerd alert! Ethan starts off pretty much as an updated Billy archetype, where instead of being a science nerd, Ethan is a tech nerd, which is seen constantly, like in Game On, where he's literally trying to hack a game secret code cheater, inadvertently releasing the trip toys, and isn't in a lava league, where he is a video game champion, aka Detonation Man. He even wears a shirt that says, I am Detonation Man, in just black text, and it's just a white shirt, like it's the most basic custom tee ever. He is the guy, if you know you know. He also uses his technology to aid him in other endeavors, like in Bully for Ethan, where he uses it to trick Tyson into not kicking his ass. It also fucked him over, like in Tutankhamen's Curse, where he used tech to translate hieroglyphics and ending up getting a bad luck curse put on him. Ethan would eventually get a non-tech episode in the form of Cassidy, Cassidy Cornell, where the two date but break up after a few episodes, when they both admit they don't really have anything in common. No Tino shade to Ethan, because I like Ethan, but Cassidy can do better than him. And she kind of did with Devin. We talked about Connor actually having development over the season. Ethan kind of just stays the same nerd. He doesn't feel like a different character to me. I think he gets a little bit. I think he starts to come out of his shell of being, I'm just a gamer kid. Less introverted. He's still basically the same. He stays the same but he's more outgoing because there's things towards the end of Dino Thunder that beginning Ethan would never do like play soccer with Trent and Connor. He does eventually get a nerd girl in the finale and he takes her to prom. I don't even think she has a name. Tree girl nerd girl we watched this episode like two days ago and i don't remember her name Alrighty, so does anyone have anything else to say about ethan before we move on to kira I want to know how he's like such a little gamer nerd, but then it's still built like a brick shit house. Billy was built. If I had to put the two of them arm wrestling, Ethan would whoop Billy's ass. Let's be real. I do like how for 2004, Ethan felt like an updated version of Billy for that time period. He's still a nerd, but instead of just random geeky shit, video games and that kind of stuff. It was the stereotypes of the early 2000s, the soccer jock and the Avril wannabe. But speaking of Avril, let's talk about her. Kira 4, the yellow dino Kira Ford is a singer with an Avril vibe to the extent of the show acknowledging this in an episode. We got a paper due tomorrow. And why aren't you working on yours? Finished it last week. Trent and I jammed on them while you guys were out being David Beckham and uh... Oh, don't even say it. What? Wasn't going to. We actually get some original songs from her, like Freak You Out Impatiently. Where's the Spotify link? All these songs! All these good songs from the show. Good to be human, and the NZ voice song. Face Ninjas, with Attitude. Emma Lohana did try to have a music career for a bit around after that time. There's an episode, she films a music video for one of her songs, and it straight up looks like an actual music video. I love that so much, though. But don't call her Kira. If you know, you know. So being a singer, most 
most of her focus episodes are about her being a singer, like in Divas in Distress, where we learn she used to be a singer with her former bestie and current pop star Kylie Styles, or wanting to get up in the world of pop like in A Star is Torn, where Kelson Henson tries to change her image. I didn't realize that was Kelson at first. That was Kelson's first ever role in Power Rangers, by the way. Personality-wise, Kira starts off as a bit moody and angry, but as time goes on, she becomes a bit more sympathetic and empathic, like when she tries to get Cassie a news job at Channel 6, because Kira has an internship there. We'll get to it. Kira gets a little romance arc with Trent. Does she? Does she? I don't remember that. Kind of. I guess I was too focused on tension between him and Connor. She does get a little romance arc because she's thirsty with him at first, and then it gets a little super angsty when he becomes the White Ranger. It's a little Edward and Belle. It's like, I'm a monster, Kira! Stay away from me! And then he throws his little sketches in the water. This is the suit of a killer, Kira! A very sad thing about this relationship is that it's pretty much dropped when Trent turns good. To be honest, though, they really didn't have that much chemistry, so I'm okay with it. I like them. 13-year-old Ray was here for it. It was never really explored, so I can't really say they had chemistry or not, because it's kind of just dropped off. A part of that issue is that, yeah, that drops off when Trent turns good, so does Trent. He's, like, hardly around. And there's a reason for that, too, so. Kira gets hot and flustered when Blake comes around in the team mom. I mean, he was looking mighty fine there, too. Yeah, she was getting all hot and flustered with Trent sitting right there and he has nothing to say about it. Hell, they don't even go to prom together. Fucking Connor goes with Tree Girl and even goes with some nerd girl he literally just met. He goes with his dad and his fucking teacher. Like, girl, go with Kira. He went with adults to his prom. All in all, Kira's a good egg, but don't call her Kira. I do have a couple of opinions about Kira. I remember being a girl in that time, being her age, and then also kind of coming back to it as a 36-year-old lady. Because I feel like in the beginning, she gave very much, I'm not one of those girls kind of vibes, especially when talking with Kylie. She gives me pick-me-girl vibes. Exactly what it is. I'm not that kind of girl. Because that was a big thing, because a lot of girls acted like that, because they didn't want to be. Either you were like, the pink and pretty, like, preppy girl, or you're, like, the edgy, clean girl. I was very much like that. And then now as a full-ass adult, I'm glad she moved more away from that and learned lessons. So I enjoy that she kind of learned to get out of her own ass there for a second. And the fashion got better because that early fashion, whoo, there was this skirt she wore that looks like she just wrapped a roll of denim around her waist and just made it a skirt and it's terrible. Also, to finish off Kira's section, where's her lightning collection figure has bro we have everyone else i am willing to buy at least one tommy figure if i can have the kira do it you back i don't give a shit i think kira is in these upcoming listings i'm surprised though that they didn't release tommy yet from dino thunder that is a surprise they probably need to figure out how to paint that soul patch and frosted tips if they released him first piss me off we talked about tommy so let's get to him dr tommy Oliver, the black dino ranger We're not calling him a doctor. Amber wanted me to tell you guys because made her watch episode eight. She's sitting there watching with me. She has not seen any of this season. She does not watch Power Rangers, but she knows enough. She's seen the, like the original stuff. And she's like, how the fuck did he become a fucking PhD? How did he write a thesis? How? He has a PhD in paleontology. How did that get funded? What did he have to do? So Tommy Oliver makes his grand return this season where he learned that since retiring as a Power Rangers, he said fuck you to race car driving and gotten a PhD in paleontology. So yes, Otsuya is a fucking doctor. Not only a doctor, we learned that he's created literal life this season as we learned that he worked with the scientist Anton Mercer to create the foot soldiers of the season, the Tyranodrones. How much you want to bet that that was 90% Anton Mercer? That was a GERT project where he barely did anything but took all the credit. He was like, you know what would be a cool name for these guys? Tyranodrones. He also said that he created the Invisiportals, which I feel like was another 90% of the project where he was like, hmm, let's make them green. Let's be real here. If he wasn't working with Anton Mercer creating things and doing most of the work, then he's working with Haley. Haley did everything. Haley did literally everything. Because we thawed out and he's like, oh yeah, I made all these things. And then we Haley comes and like, bitch, I made all of this. What are you talking about? Tommy's really good at riding off the coattails of others. So yeah, he retires from that life and becomes a science teacher at Reefside High School. He then pushes, I guess, 
three of his students that got detention that day to find the dino themed lair in his basement. Fucking nerd. He's got a dinosaur themed lair in his basement. When I have a dinosaur themed lair, I'm considered a fucking dork. But when he has one, he's cool. It's fucking Batman's ass fucking basement where he's like, oh, I got dinosaurs on the wall. Isn't that cool, guys? So yeah, they find the meteor containing the dino gems created by the Morphin Masters, by the way, and put in a meteor to kill the dinosaurs, I guess. Man, the Morphin Masters really have something against the fucking dinosaurs. Every timeline. They just gotta kill these motherfuckers. They put the dino gems in a meteor to kill the dinosaurs. Before that, though, they used six dinosaurs, turned them into goddamn statues to make the Dino Fury Rangers, and then put the Ener gems in another dimension where Keeper bonds them to ten dinosaurs before Sledge's asteroids destroy the dinosaurs in that dimension. If I was the dinosaurs, I'd be calling my fucking lawyer. This is some horse shit. Every time the Morphin Masters create some new dino powers, they're fucking killing dinosaurs. Gotta call prehistoric PETA on their asses. So yeah, he basically becomes the mentor. But come on now. We can't have Tommy just sit around the base the whole season. So we gotta give him powers too. So he's kidnapped by Mezogog to release the black dino gem for some weird energy crystal thing. He does so, but unfortunately for Mezogog, he's got a morpher. Thank you, Haley. So he uses the black dino gem to become the black dino ranger. Aren't you a little old for this, Tommy? Thank you, Elsa. It's kind of funny, though, because I think JDF was not even in his 30s yet when Dino Thunder was filming. He's too young to be a professor and have a PhD, but also he is way too old to be a ranger. There was a reason why Demetrius sent you guys on along. This isn't a setting where it's like a police force or like a futuristic force or anything like that. You are just a freaking old man in spandex. I like the idea of a teacher. He's hardly a fucking teacher. He's gone for like 30 episodes, comes back, and then the next episode, he's like, all right, guys, you guys are going to have a substitute. (gasps) You just got back. Let's talk about that. Trent, possessed by the evil white ranger powers, chops him in amber for two episodes until the dino rangers use a personality changing meteor to free him. But this causes him to get stuck in the suit for 14 episodes episodes those are the best 14 episodes they really are he's stuck in his suit for a third of the season because i guess jdf had to check in on his karate studio but you made a commitment to be in this show you know you're gonna have to film for a long amount of time in a different country so why don't you have this shit planned out what was the point of having you here that did dino thundered better it let us focus on the other rangers uh-huh. it benefited he's also a public school teacher that was able to take off for a third of the year without losing his job but i think Elsa just used, I mean, Principal Randall. Two different people. I think Principal Randall just used that as an advantage to get Anton Mercer to get that job. Sure. And like Austin said, he returns to his job and literally an episode after he returns to his job, he takes another sick day. Bro, didn't you use up all your vacation time? How you pay it for your house? But like I said, Tommy being stuck in that suit, let us focus on the other Dino Ranger, so I'm not really complaining. And all Tommy does for the rest of the season, even after he's freed from his is fight cell tracks. That's all his characters. So something I've noticed about Tommy's character, he's not really written as Tommy for a lot of it, except for two episodes that just jerk him off. It kind of feels like Doug and Ann wrote most of the season before they got JDF to come back, because there's just things Tommy's saying to that don't feel like Tommy. Having a fucking PhD, for instance. You could replace Tommy with any other person and the character would not change really at all. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on to Trent Mercer, the white dino ranger. Dragon power. Alrighty, so Trent is introduced as the new kid in school. It also works as a bartender at Haley's Cyberspace. He is also revealed to be the adopted son of Anton Mercer, Tommy's rich science buddy that adopted Trent after his bio parents were killed in a dick. Mentioned once, by the way, never again. It's not really that important, though, to be honest. They could have made it important. They could have made Elsa Trent's mother. Because they don't give her anything at the end. She's just there. She's a dance on distress. I don't even get why they had the whole adopted something because he doesn't look white ray he could have a latina mother just saying it's a humanity thing shows that anton is actually a human when he's not a giant reptile guy so trent is an artist and if you know artists in this universe you know that they're gonna have a parent that is unapproving of this and anton essentially tells him to buckle down until a certain part of dino thunder so trent discovers an invisible portal in his house which anton has been using so he goes through it and around the same time that mezco 
Gog forces have the White Dino Gem in their possession. So Trent bonds with it, becoming the White Dino Ranger. But with a twist! Mezicog's crew has encased it in an evil energy field for a year, so whoever bonds with the White Dino Gem would become pure evil! Evil! So this essentially starts off as a Jekyll and Hyde situation at first, with Trent not knowing or controlling his actions while Mort, but the evil encoding would eventually take control of him completely. Which kind of started off as drama. You kind of see Trent being like, what is happening? What just happened? Did I just space out or something? What am I doing here? And then he's like, oh, it's going to take over me completely. I got to go, Bella. I mean, Kira, I'm a monster. And then he just comes back and is like, I'm evil now. <laughs> Though Trent would be evil for a bit, working solo for a bit until he joins Mezgog's crew for, oh God, I put bit like six times. <laughs> for a bit until the evil encoding is destroyed. And Trent turns good again and joins the Dino Rangers. Here's the problem with that. There's still a shit ton of Sentai footage where the White Ranger is evil, so an evil White Ranger clone is created, with Trent essentially doing nothing till we get to the footage where the White Ranger turns good in the footage. Most of the White Ranger footage is evil footage. So there's just like 10 episodes or something where Trent literally does nothing except maybe fight Elsa or foot soldiers by himself. Or protect a civilian. Or he doesn't even just go to the five period i cannot tell you how many times the show did trent you stay there oh what about trent oh you just leave him alone he's got stuff to do stay there trent okay we can handle this trent you stay there trent and the fucking base just vibing i just really wish they just committed to trent just being evil till the end because his character is literally on pause for like 10 episodes and then when he destroys the evil white ranger clone his story is back and then like the last couple episodes are literally all about him the only thing trent does between the white ranger clone arc and him destroying the white ranger clone is teaching ethan how to drink sparkling water <laughs> Alrighty, so after the white ranger clone is destroyed and we finally give trent to do stuff again his story progresses to preventing his teammates from learning his daddy's secret which they do find out eventually i thought that was kind of the drama elsa kind of was being manipulated because she needed to fan the flames a little to get the little flames off her ass because this was around the time where mezagog was threatening to kill her every time she failed which was like every day so yeah they find out mezagog and mercer are the same like two episodes before the finale and they grill him for it and then we get a clip show where they trust him again and they rescue anton the finale and then trent reveals that he's going to art school with anton's blessing oh that's a good dad that's a good dad that's what we call growth. All right, do we have anything about Trent before we move on to the lesbian? My notes are, oh, honey, I love you, but you did not get much to do after your main arc. That's not your fault. Alrighty, so let's move on to the tech of the season. Haley Zictor. Yes, that is her last name. Hey, guys, what can I get you? I'll just have an apple juice. Oh, that's easy. Kira, right? Yeah, how'd you know? Oh, I'm all about information. It's my business. Alrighty, so Haley is introduced as the owner of Haley Cyberspace, the internet cafe, and the local hangout season. We later learn that Haley was a college friend of Tommy that created the Dino Rangers morphers, weapons, and vehicles. So yeah, she's the tech goyle of the season. He cheated off of her in school, let's be real. He pretty much took credit for all of the stuff she did before she revealed yeah. herself in Legacy of Power. Like, we're all expecting to think Tommy did all this stuff, and then Haley comes in like, bitch, I did all this stuff. Get the fuck out of here. Tommy can barely get dressed in the morning without falling out of his khakis. Legit. She's all also a sassy bitch that won't take shit from no one like in Leader of the Whack where the personality altered Dino Rangers are mad that she called them and she says What now? I was having a super intense workout and I was right in the middle of a very compelling biography. Is this gonna involve dirt? Cause if it does, I'm gonna have to say uh-uh. Sorry I interrupted your busy day. This scene is the best. In Tutankhamen's Hawkins' Curse, where she makes a new bike for Ethan, and they're all like, That's for me? Yep, the latest technology, faster than anything I have ever built. That is so amazing. It wouldn't happen to fly, would it? Fly? No. Haley, we, uh, needed to fly. I see. And they couldn't have told me that before. Ugh. We need it to fly. It's funny because she's like, I made a new bike for us to sell. I mean, for you to use. And then she's like showing it off. And it's like, hey, can it fly? And it's like, no, it's a bike. You fucking customize a goddamn fucking big rig for these assholes that they showed in every single opening sequence, even though it's in one episode. I mean, we got to promote the toys. So, so yeah, Haley's pretty much a precursor for Kendall. And we know how much I love Kendall. You do love Kendall. Also, why the fuck wasn't she in the opening? She's in every episode. 
Minota. She deserved to be fucking title sequence. Regular player, goddammit. She was in more episodes than Cassie and Devin, and she sure as hell did more than Tommy did when he was fucking mort for a third of the season. Lastly, about Haley, Doug Sloan revealed that he wanted to make Haley a lesbian, and he put hints in the show like Rainbow Cups. We love lesbians here. Jackie talked about that on the Toku Ladies podcast. I wish that happened. I know, but it was 2004. It was just gonna be subtext, though. Yeah, we were not gonna get anything. It was not gonna be canon. I appreciate the thought that counts. It took until last year to get an openly queer ranger on the show, so no way it was gonna hell I was gonna have a 2004. Alrighty, guys, we made it to the comic relief duo of the season, so let's talk about Cassidy and Devin. Cassidy. Cassidy Cornell. Dr. Oliver, as you may know, I'm the anchor and field reporter for a school TV station. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure our viewers are wondering, well, you don't really look old enough to be a teacher. Devin, are you getting this? Oh, they're so good. So Cassie and Devin are pretty much the comic relief duo of the season. And in my personal opinion, they are the best. They're a really good example of what to do with comic relief. Yes, they don't rely just on slapstick for the two, which they still do here and there. But it's funny stuff like little wordplay and other types of humor. Like the best one, Divas in Distress. Yes. Where the monster Donkey Vac seals their youth and they get turned into senior citizens. And the funny thing about this is that me and Austin were watching the episode and Austin was like, if I was turned into an old person, I'd just use the senior citizen discount. Oh, I'd fucking do it too. And literally the next scene is them using it. But the best moment was when they're trying to get into a movie, but their youth comes back to them because the monster is destroyed. And Cassidy goes on this hilarious rant. Two tickets, please. And as you can see, we're seniors, so don't try and rip us off by jacking up the price. Very funny. That'll be $20. Okay, Cass, listen. Not now, Devin. But seriously. Hello? He acts like he's never heard of the Great Depression. Well, I, for one, am getting super depressed, wondering why a sweet little old lady is being forced to pay full pop for a lousy movie ticket. Let's go. Stop it! I'm running here! I'm calling the AARP! That scene had me in a chokehold. We released it on our TikTok. By the way, follow us on TikTok at the group PR. We are releasing clips to promoting our episodes. So check that out. That got like almost 10,000 views. That's because it's an iconic moment. All right. So we talked about their goof goose. So let's talk about their character. So first up is Cassidy, Cassidy Cornell. So Cassidy is a reporter at Reefside High that is always hankering for that next scoop. She would eventually get a job off for a Channel 6 where the head of the station offers them a job if they can find the Identities of the Power Rangers, so a la Balkan School Season 2. So that's essentially their arc for a bit. So then she gets another arc where she's dating Ethan. Like, kind of gets a little soft because she starts off the season where she's a little pushy. Pushy? She's a bitch. She's a bitch, but we love her for it. She's an icon. She kind of treats him a little bit like shit, but that's okay because he likes her. But at this point, Ethan kind of softens her up. She's nicer. She does stuff she would never do in the beginning of the season. So even the fucking comic relief gets growth this season. Everyone gets a story arc. So yeah, she gets softened up, especially in the finale where she finds out the identity of the Power Rangers, which could pave the way for her, but she gives up on the scoop to protect the people that have grown to be her friend. That was such a good moment for her. She was like, you've done so much for us, and you're my friends. I couldn't do that to you. I was like, holy shit, she has integrity, guys! I've heard this a few times on Twitter, but I kind of want to believe that Cassidy was the one that created Buzz Blast. Oh, that was such a good callback. That's a good fan thing. Like, doubt it's gonna happen in the show. Alright, let's uh, move on to Devin Delvale. So Devin is Cassidy's kid man and essentially her bitch this season but yeah he doesn't really get a lot of solo focus but there's some one thing he gets an internship at channel six with kira that cassidy wanted we also learn that he's a very good gamer beating ethan's high score in a game we also learn that he likes cassidy and he takes her to the prom in the finale they're so cute but i feel like the lack of focus this season was the fact that devon was originally going to be the sixth ranger of the team when the production team thought that this triassic ranger was its own ranger but was dropped after they learned that it was just a power-up. So yeah, Devin lost a lot of solo focus, but he's still pretty great. Alrighty, so talked about our comic relief. Let's talk about the villain. So let's talk about Anton Mercer and Mezagaga. You are weak, Anton. Weak and pathetic. As long as I am alive, my plan to bring back our time of glory 
will go on as scheduled. Power Rangers, or no Power Rangers. That Mezzagussi. He put his whole fucking Mezzagussi into that role. Ugh, so gross. There's so many scenes where I was like, ew! My notes are literally, Latham Gaines put his whole Megagussi into this role. Sexual. Creepy. Sexual. Evil. Also, he and Tommy definitely fucked. Anton Mercer is an old science buddy of Tommy's that moves to Reefside with his adopted son Trent and is super mad sus early on, being distant and a douchebag for the most part until we learn that Gasp, he's Mezzagussi. It's a little longer though till we learn that he is an unwilling bond where they share a body a la Hickelnstein and Anton has been trying to separate himself from Mezagog. But that was a fucking twist though. Because first you're like, oh, he wanted to be this. Oh no, this is unwilling? <gasps> he's kind of very douchey at the beginning. He's treating his son like shit because he wants to draw and he doesn't want him to draw. And then he tries to buy Haley cyberspace after he thinks that working as a bartender or waiter there is beneath him. But then we learn this is unwilling bond. He experimented on himself for one. And that's how he became Mezagog, which I feel like is a little stupid. Why would you just drink something like that? And But scientists do that, though. Yeah, but you drink something and you don't know what it is? No wonder he turned into a fucking giant reptile. He created that serum himself. He wanted to test it, but he couldn't trust it on anything because it wasn't sure. But also, when they're trying to expedite stuff, they just have to do it on themselves. Like Green Goblin. It's the exact same thing. It's like super science because with normal science, you have to get FDA approval and do a bunch of animal testing to even move it on to humans. That is very an origin story. I'm sure a lot of Anton's money was used by Mezagog to create his giant island fortress. <laughs> Did Mezagog embezzle money from Mercer Industries to build that giant iron fortress? He's probably sitting there doing his expenses like this motherfucker has spent my money. I have to go fucking sell another patent or create another invention to fucking pay for this bullshit island. This bitch spent $100,000 to make a fucking machine that'll grow monsters with a fucking clown. What? This asshole spent how much in fucking leather cloaks? I see Elsa got herself a new do and spent $300 at the hair salon. So yeah, a lot of Mercer's story after the reveal is him trying to separate himself from Mezgok. That is until Anton becomes the sub of Tommy's science class for a third of a year, which I feel is a bit dangerous considering Anton at any random instance can become a giant reptile. So yeah, that's a little dangerous. Earlier on in the season, he controlled a little bit better. It was a very give and take because Mezagog also needed him to have his front because he needed the money and the sign. As the series progressed, he's like, oh no, now we gotta get going. There is that one episode where he's teaching a class and he's like, I'll be right back class, I got a headache. And then he's like, go Trent, go back to class. But this does happen eventually in front of the team in House of Cards where he transforms into Mezagog in front of everyone. But then the next episode, which I feel like is a very stupid idea on Mezagog's part, he splits himself up from Mercer, essentially giving the one reason why the rangers want to kill him out of his system we gave that to him you took the one thing that could have protected you from destruction that's the only reason why they hadn't destroyed you yet or tried to was because trent was holding them back we talked about mercer let's talk about mezagog mezagog is a reptile-like creature that was created by anton mercer after he ingested some sort of dinosaur dna concoction and sharing his body with him half the time so mezagog's plan is a little unique than other villains he does want universal conquest he wants to obtain the dino gems which he intends to use to transfer the world and back to the era of the dinosaurs. So I guess it just means using the dino gems to turn peoples into dinosaurs. Sounds like uh, Mario Brothers right there. Mezagog is also a brilliant scientist, being able to turn two humans, Terrence Smith and whoever else it was, into cyborg warriors and creating genetic mutations thanks to his geno randomizer. The secret of Mercer and Mezagog being the same person would be hidden from us for a bit, but clues were there, like whenever there was an episode with a lot of Anton Mercer stuff, Mezagog wouldn't really be around in the lair. But when we do learn the secret, oof, that first scene where they show Mercer turning into Mezagog. That's nightmare feel. I cannot sleep. Disney fucking greenlit that shit? They let that air on ABC Family? You know what this is giving? It's giving that Disney Channel movie Don't Look Under the Bed about a boogeyman. They approved this shit. They gave children nightmares. They got away with a lot of shit in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't know who designed that. I just want to 
shake their hands. The effects too, with the in-between prosthetics is really good. If you get really close and look inside, you can see Latham's whole jaw in there. And the tongue. Ugh. But I love that though, because like that's just such really creative special effects. It could have looked really terrible, but between the actor inside of it and then just the way they use that black eight to kind of fake the inside of the mouth. The noise the tongue makes too. Ugh. And his voice. <sighs> It would not have been the same character had it not been Latham Gaines inside of it. Nesikog is probably one of my favorite villains of all time. Especially after this rewatch. I'm just like, lightning collection win. Oh, that would be an amazing figure. Alrighty, so Mezagog is kind of an asshole to his minions. He punishes them whenever they fail him, either by using his mind beam on them, or what Elsa described as a punishment chamber. You two better figure out a way to get along, or Mezagog will put us all in the punishment chamber. Because we get all freaky with this SM show. Every villain this season wears black leather. You don't want to put a black light in the lab down there. And literally all of his minions would eventually turn on him. Shocker, I know. You treat your minions like shit, they want to backstab you. Alrighty, so Mezagog, in the penultimate episode, like I said, decides to split himself from Anton, which is stupid. But one thing I noticed from the split is that when Mezagog splits from Mercer, his voice becomes a little more reptilian because before that it was very sensual and slow. I didn't even notice till you pointed that out. And then after he split from Anton, he's like, I must have a creature that is worthy of my newfound power. So Mezagog enacts his final plan, which is to use a beam to turn people into dinosaurs, which he uses the dino gems he gets from Trent in return for his daddy, but fails and his lair is destroyed. He survived and turned into an even bigger reptile guy and multiplies somehow. That was a thing in the video game. But is destroyed when the Dino Rangers use all their Dino Gem power. I like that it's just literally a Dino Gem attack. It's not like an actual attack. It's like, here's a light beam. It's a Dino Gem attack which the Dino Gem energy becomes a giant T-Rex that just bites all four of them. And then they have to drain the gems and lose their power. Ugh, I fucking hated that. I hate when they end the season where they lose their powers. Don't get me started. That is so stupid. I'm fine with them giving up powers like in Wild Force where they return the Morphers to Shayla when she goes back to the Animarium in the sky. That's one thing. Powers are still there. They just need to grab them. They just need to be like, hey Shayla, give me our ground Morphers. Okay, okay. Was it in Ninja Storm? Did they mention that? Ninja Storm did the exact same thing at the end. Alrighty, so let's talk about Zeltrax, aka Terrence Smith. Does a god find a new goon and do his dirty work? You are not fit to speak my master's name. Come with me peacefully or suffer the consequences. Ugh, such a disappointment for a villain. He started off so cool, too. His voice is cool, the suit is cool, and then, yeah, his name is Smitty. Alright, so Zeltrax is Mezagog's second-in-command, and essentially the Goldar of the season either goes down to fight the Dino Rangers with full soldiers, or fight Tommy in one-on-one -on -one battles, which he does a lot. So yeah, not a lot going on early on, except the episode where he makes his son named Goldenrod and his kind of crush on Elsa until we learn that he was once known as Terrence Smith. Does the name Terrence Smith mean anything to you? Smitty? Tommy's old college buddy that was never mentioned until the literal episode it is revealed. There's no build up. It'd have been nice if they would have mentioned it from the very beginning. Also, his name is fucking stupid. Err, Smitty! <laughs> That's what you name a villain? Girl. But this was probably due to the production team wanting Zeldrax to either be Cat or Jason, but clearly couldn't get either one of them, so they were like, Smitty it is! Cat or Jason? Yeah. If it was Jason, though, that would be drama. But Cat what the F? It was either that or they wanted Elsa to be cat or something. I don't know. I read somewhere about that. But here comes the highs and lows of Zeltrax as in appearances. So a few episodes later, Zeltrax is presumed dead when his little ship blows up. And then he comes back a few episodes to use a tree to power up and gets a cool power up. But is taken down by Connor's Battleizer. He then shows up in the next episode where the evil white ranger host tries to capture him. And then he escapes. And then we don't see him again until the finale, like 10 episodes later. No explanation. 
explanation. So he's destroyed, comes back in like five episodes, and leaves two episodes later, and then he doesn't come back till ten episodes. I guess they didn't have footage? Then destroy him. Why does he need to still be around? There's Sentai footage of his character in the finale, so I guess they kept to keep him around. So yeah, Zeltrax comes back in the finale, and he kidnaps Elsa as a shield, while the Daniel Rangers are busy blowing up Mezagog's Island. He then unveils his Zelzord to destroy Reefside with, and gives the Dino Rangers. And he fights the Dino Rangers with his crimson armor again, but is destroyed by a basic ass attack by Kira and Tommy because they use Sentai footage. Alrighty, we talked about Zelchak. So let's move on to Elsa and Principal Randall. You got a name? You kind of look familiar. My master calls me Elsa. Your master? Okay, whatever. All right, so Elsa is Mezgok's henchwoman that can pretty much do anything. She's a fighter. She's a monster maker. She has an awesome battle cry. Yeah! And she's a mistress of disguise. Speaking of that, she's also used by Mezgok as a spy by having her take the role of Principal Randall. First name is Principal because she is firstborn. <laughs> Which is honestly, though, the worst kept secret ever. Wait, she's Principal Randall? I know, right? They look so different and they act so different. They did go with the Clark Kent defense. They did make up a defense. It's like, how do we not know about that? They look exactly the same. But it's a valid defense. Especially in the beginning of the show, they had the same fucking hair yeah they look the same they act the same way she just wears glasses it's also funny because in the episode where they reveal elsa's randall there's this scene where she's walking up she's grabbing a dino wig and then she transforms and there's background turns all into clouds and lightning strikes and i'm like what that's also just a lazy reveal too because what you didn't lock your fucking door sis the episode where she gets the reveal is an episode where she steals essentially Yu-Gi-Oh cards from ethan and she wants to turn into a monster and then she just transforms in her office while Tommy's walking in. I'm like, okay, didn't think to lock your fucking door. Oh, that's so good though when Anton has the card. Yeah, Elsa, because I guess she's a backstabbing bitch now because Mesagod doesn't treat her well. She puts the Yu Gi Oh card into Anton's thing and that kind of leads to the reveal to Mercer's Mesagog. That's a gag. How did you get that card? It didn't end with her well. Mind beamed her and then the next episode, she just sucks the energy out of her and she turns into a basic brunette chick. No, she turns into Regina Collins. <gasps> oh, I mean, that's a theory. <laughs> Uh, Regina. <laughs> Let's tie that shit together, B. All right, I gotta mention the glow up she has halfway through the season because in the first half of Dino Thunder, she has like a short braided hair helmet with basic ass black sleeves. But in the second half of Dino Thunder, she gets this long ass ponytail with purple highlights and fishnet sleeves. And I'm like, mm, this is where I started like Elsa. This is the lightning collection we want. Forget first part. Do not do helmet, Elsa. She was a treat for a young baby bisexual that did not know that they were a bisexual. Sexual. I mean, all that leather, I'm sure it helped. Oh, also her lips changed too because she had some like weird crease down the middle of her chin in the first half and then that just disappeared. Also, Elsa, like Zeltrax, will go down the road of treachery because Mezagog treats his minions like shit, but it stopped and Mezagog finds out and gives her a super headache. She's like, bitch, I knew you are fucking betraying me. I'm gonna kill you. I was like, no, no, no. That is until the next episode where she turns human again, I guess. I guess Elsa was just some human lady, Mezagog turned evil but we have no idea who she was before that i mean i have no idea where their paths cross either that would have been hot if she would have been somebody they were working with and he turned her bad trent's mother hmm gets alluded to them being lost in an accident or something but maybe anton just kidnapped her and brainwashed her but let's not go the master org way because that was fucking creepy and gross i mean both elsa and zeltrax could have been trent's parents but then they mind erased them so they don't know their transparency. And then that would explain why Zeltrax and Elsa kind of had a little sexual tension. Zeltrax literally says in Bully for Ethan, I would destroy Oliver, then I will have Elsa all to myself. Do I smell a love triangle? And then that disappeared. Because Zeltrax disappeared. How dare you call yourself an Elsa simp when you fucking leave ship that fast? But then she becomes principal again of Reeside, and I guess they start a little hookup with Anton, and then kind of a little had some sexual tension there. That was hot, but you know Tommy was invited for a little bit. This is pre-cat. Oh, yeah. Elsa and Tommy kind of had a thing. They flirted like a bit. Maybe that was the motivation for Tommy getting back with Cat. That is the same house that they're in, right? 
right in Dimensions in Danger. It's the exact same hatch, which was pretty cool. Nice. I was glad they did get that because that was kind of a fun little throwback. We never really see the first floor of the house except for the first episode. I understand though because then that kind of leaves a teacher has students just hang out in his house. There was an episode where they were hanging out on the weekend and Tommy was hanging out. I'm like, girl, it's a weekend. Why are you hanging out with your students, you weirdo? Yeah, like all the scenes in the cafe he's just hanging out with his fucking three students i'm like first of all that's weird second of all if i was another student in his class and i saw him favoritizing them i would have been like oh hell to the no Alrighty, so let's talk about our last character kind of he's barely a character the evil white ranger clone it's an exact duplicate of the white ranger but with no trace of trent mercer in him a soulless warrior that is 100 percent evil I am at your command. Because we can't have Trent be evil for that many episodes. <laughs> so due to the White Ranger still being evil in the footage and Disney making the show turn him good, Zaltrax creates the evil White Ranger, a soulless and generic evil warrior character that they can use to burn the footage. He really doesn't have anything to do with mention besides fight, 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 until Strange Relations where he begins to weaken due to the morphing grid not letting two White Rangers exist simultaneously. So he fights Trent one-on-one, he goes super dino mode to distinguish which is which, and he's destroyed so yeah kind of pointless that went nowhere and kind of just put trent on the back burner i just wish they just left him evil like what was the big deal uh... the only thing i guess the evil white ranger clone has going for him is that he's voiced by adam gardner who voices sledge so that's something i guess good on you white ranger clone you're here to burn footage and i guess have a cool voice Alrighty, so let's talk about the foot soldiers of the seasons because there's two kinds the tyrannodrones and the triptoids so the tyrannodrones Tyrannodrones were black reptilian creatures that were created by Anton and Tommy that Mezgog would use as foot soldiers. There are also U.S. exclusive foot soldiers. The last one's two because we haven't had any U.S. versions of the foot soldiers since then. I like when we get original foot soldier designs because it shows that they're willing to put in that work. Like Quantrons are one of my favorite designs, but um, I I don't like them. I like the Triptoids a lot more. I can see why they created Tyrannodrones because the Tyrannodrones fit the better for the whole black and leather reptilian stuff. But the triptoids fit the aesthetic of the suits more. They fit the monster suits better than the Tyrannodrones do. The Tyrannodrones fit Mezagog and Elsa's and Zeltrax's aesthetic better. Alrighty, so let's talk about the triptoids. So the triptards are black and white creatures from the game Wizardwood that were brought to the real world by one of Mezagog's monsters. They would be captured by Zeltrax and used by Mezagog as secondary foot soldiers. When they wanted to use Sentai I kind of wish they just kept the triptoids. I mean, they were the ones that got the fucking figure anyway. I can count on one hand the times they used the triptoids. They used them in Game On, which was the episode they were introduced. They used them in Missing Bone. Lost and Found in Translation. Passion of Connor isn't lavaly. That's more than one hand, I'm pretty sure. All right, two hands, two hands, two hands. They were used in the team up. Then the episode after that for In Your Dreams, the last time is the finale for Celtrax's Foot Soldier. So that is eight appearances. Nine, if you count the dino trilogy oh there's two episodes of that so that's 10 they're in finders keepers and grid connection they're better designed than the tyrannid i love the black and white aesthetic and i love how they bounce up and then kind of like the same thing with the swabbies i get why you changed them but also lost you a shit ton of footage every time they do different foot soldiers i can see why they did that season three those uh dorodoros dorodoros you fuck off don't you say a bad fucking word about those i'll fucking rip you apart i think wouldn't match rain's edge aesthetic so i can see why they use the tangas for that maybe they could have had that be master of vials foot soldiers maybe that would have been cool yeah but they built the tangas for the movie so you don't think that they weren't going to use the movie come on and then turbo had chromite but they ended up using those for general havoc's foot soldiers so that was good and then in space they used the craterites which were just hollow deck monsters which i used for one episode that's a fun episode though that's clever and the swabbies they still use they replaced the whole villain set for lost galaxy pretty much would it make sense that a bug guy would use orange skinned pirate foot soldiers you would have done a fucking pirate themed villains maybe it would have made more fucking sense well they wanted you bugs so meh. <laughs> Alrighty, so that's the end of our character sections. We're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll come back with our favorites and least favorite aspects of the season. Woo-hoo! Let's go. 
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Alrighty, and we're back with our favorite and least favorite characters. So let's move on to favorites. So this section, we will have three characters in each section, and we will list why they are favorite and least favorite. So I will go first with my favorites. So I picked Haley because she's an iconic shady tech girl, similar to Kendall. I also picked Elsa, also an iconic villain lady that I only cared about after her hair glow up. And then I picked Cassidy because she's an iconic comedy queen. I love how all of your reasons just say iconic blank, iconic blank. <laughs> it was hard because all the characters in Diamond Thunder for the most part are really good. It's either you're good or you're just boring. There's nothing terrible. Alrighty, Austin, what are your favorite characters? So I also had Cassidy and also Elsa when she fixes her hair. And also Avril Lavigne, I mean Kira. Alrighty, Amber, what are your favorites? I want you two to guess my favorites. You probably have Elsa on your list. You probably have Trent on your list. And Mezagog. You got two out of three. Two out of three, Connor, obviously himbo, right? Mezagog, because I'm literal trash. And then I actually picked Kira because I always loved her music in the show. I mean, we gotta stand the only female on the team. Alrighty, so let's move on to our least favorite characters. I'll go first. So my number one is the evil white ranger clone because he is a pointless generic evil warrior. My second one is Mr. Cormier, that asshole news guy. He was always giving casting Kira shit. Oh, you mean J. Jonah Jameson? He wishes he was J. Jonah Jameson, bitch. He's like, get me pictures of the Power Rangers! And lastly, I put Terrence Smith because I like Zeltrax before that reveal. Schmitty! Alright, Austin, what is your least favorite characters? So I'm gonna surprise everybody. My first pick is Tommy. Tell me you're overhyped without telling me you're overhyped. I could not care less about Tommy. Funny because even as a kid, I was like, oh wow, they brought back the original Green Ranger. That's so cool. That was the thing though. That's probably why, because they knew children would love it. But then as we come back and watch it as mid to late 20-something and middle 30-year-olds, that we all are Tommy fatigued. My next one is Zeltrax just because he's a hot mess express. We've talked about him. And then my last one is White Dino Kid. I'm referring to this kid in the White Thunder. Is that what the arc is White called? Thunder Part 2. Cassidy has this kid that is saying that he has a tape of the identity of the White Ranger and he's just so horribly dubbed. It is so bad. Listen, we live in a really cynical world. I understand your reluctance not to believe in me. But if you could just have a little hope, a little faith in humanity, in the youth of America. All right, Amber, who are your least favorite characters? Obviously, my number one is going to be of no surprise to anybody. It's Tommy. Because I can never like Tommy because my brand is hating Tommy. My number two is Zeltrax because he's fucking boring. And then my number three, because you two had to get real deep with some of these minor ass characters. I really only focused on the main characters because that's all that really stood out to me. And this character I don't hate and I did not put on this list for any big negative reasons, but it's tra- it's because I don't dislike him at all it's just because they could have done so much more with it it's that big stretch of episodes when the evil white ranger clone pretty much takes up all of his focus i really liked trent i loved the evil stuff and i was like either leave him evil or film new footage and bring him in if hasbro was redoing it i think they probably would have left him evil they have no problem doing evil rangers now fucking beast morphers had two evil rangers the whole fucking show Alrighty, so we talked about characters so let's talk about our favorite episodes i'll go first with my first pick which is thunderstorm part one and two. That's two episodes. They're a two-parter, so it counts as one, bitch. This is the team-up between Ninja Storm and Dino Thunder. This team-up does what all team-ups do and gives a lot of focus to the former team, because usually when we have a team-up, that usually is the last time we see all the Rangers from that team together, so it's a nice epilogue to Ninja Storm. We also get evil Rangers and two epic fight scenes between the two teams. The villains also team-up, which is hilarious because Mezagog shaded Lothor in the premiere, calling him an idiot. When the Biozords have completed the first strike, launch your aerial assault. The citizens of Reefside 
will think that idiot Lothor has returned to town. Now he's teaming up with him and would turn him into a Bandai action figure. Talked about this episode of Nauseam, so that's it. All right, Austin, what is your number one pick for favorite episode? My number one pick is Diva in Distress, and specifically because of Old Cassidy. She is a fucking legend, and I'm obsessed with her. We fucking laughed our asses off at that scene with the movie theater. I think that's the scene from Dino Thunder that stuck with me the most. All right, Amber, what is your number one pick for favorite episodes? Myth Lost and Found in Translation. Because I don't know, we've watched it a few times for my birthday. I love how meta this episode is. It's essentially how the fandom is about how Sentai versus Power Rangers two shows are usually compared to each other. And one side is like, oh, this is too goofy, or this side is too serious. It's very tongue in cheek. And I love the dubbing of it. It is so cheesy. Ugh, I love it. Even the dubbing is not terribly far from where that episode was. Obviously, they kind of judged it. Abba Ranger had some really silly episodes. They picked the goofiest one by the looks of things a monster that turns people greedy but with evil pastel colored wigs oh, the one where asuka is literally in the bathroom throwing the fuck up also one thing to mention is that the picks for the voice actors for the rangers are interesting because red is voiced by the voice actor for steel blue is voiced by blake from ninja storm and yellow is voiced by the actress that played kylie styles so my theory in universe is that blake and kylie styles do voice acting on the side so they do the dub for the Power Rangers show in Japan. My list of the reasons why I like the show, the very first one is literally Abare, 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 Makune. Get up. They actually used the theme song, which is kind of a surprise. Also, part of the reason why I love this episode so much was also because I was literally discovering Sentai about that time too. And so nerdy weeby me, because I was really fucking weeby. So excited about it. It was my first experience with Sentai too. And I'm like, oh, this is very different. What's annoying is that Shot Factory stopped their Sentai releases with Hurricane Ranger, So they didn't do an Abba Ranger one. I would have loved to watch Abba Ranger. Oh, me too. Like, a couple more serious reasons is that I thought it was so a smart usage of the footage and the concept. They haven't done this since then and honestly, I wouldn't be mad if they came back to this again. I also think it would be really funny to do a season that they're not ever going to adapt. Like Tokyuger. We know they're never going to adapt Tokyuger because Lloyd Queen. They keep just taking villains from it. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that. That would be a really fun thing to do. I would love to see that concept again. Also, I love that in universe that there is a company in the Power Rangers universe in Japan that makes a show that are based on the Power Rangers and the production cost for the show must be so great because everything looks so good. The costumes look exactly like the costumes that exist in the real world. Alrighty, so let's move on to the second choices for favorites. So my number two choice is It's a Mad Mad Mackerel. The Frightening Fish. I just love how goofy Magoof this episode is. This is the episode where Kira and Devin get an internship working for the Funky Fisherman cartoon show. So this episode is about the funky fisherman who is a diva fisherman gets trapped in a television while his giant fish sidekick turns into the monster of the week that's his boyfriend i feel like funky fisherman and marty the mackerel were on break so that's why he was a diva like the scene where he's asking kira for coffee and he's like such a diva about it i've had that happen to me and the monster of the week is just turning people into olives. Why would Mezagog want a monster where tr- turning people into olives? Also, the Funky Fisherman theme song is a bop. Hey, fish and friends, I'm the Funky Fisherman. Are you ready for a cavalcade of cartoons, kids? It's the Funky Fisherman cartoon show. So grab your gear and we'll all go. Look, it's Marty the Mackerel. He'll hook us a cartoon spectacular. Bring it now. Happy, happy fish, fish. Happy fish, happy fish. Happy, happy fish, fish. Austin, what is your number two pick? My number two pick is Leader of the Wax. Okay, that is my number three pick. I don't have that much to say about it. It's a fun, goofy episode, and I just loved seeing everyone's personality switch. That's always really fun. It's like the body swap trope without doing the body swap trope. Kira gave Valley Girl realness, and I loved it. So Connor becomes a book nerd with an accent. Ethan becomes a muscle dude. Kira becomes a Valley Girl. Cassidy becomes a nerd with really bad skin. And Devin becomes a disco boy. And Haley also has her iconic line 
line where the diner ranger's like, oh, what did you want? She's like, sorry, I interrupted your busy day. Amber, what is your number two choice? This one's coming out of pocket because I know it's some of your guys' least favorite, but bully for Ethan. <laughs> it's a bananas episode. It's really fucking bizarre. It's because fucking Tyson wants to fuck Ethan. It's really that simple. Just the way he treats him, it's unprovoked the fuck. And even Connor's like, hey, dude, fucking back off. That's my friend. You are in the closet and you like this boy and you're just going to be a fucking dick to him about it. Outside of Lost and Found in Translation, I like most of the episodes pretty much the same. There's a couple of moments I like. Dino Thunder has a lot of good episodes, so it was kind of hard to just narrow it down to three. And my number three is Thunderstorm. Ninja Storm, Unmorph fights Evil Rangers. That's all we need. Austin, what is your number three? Since my number three was Leader the Whack. My number three is Lost and Found in Translation, and we've already gone over that. Alright, let's talk about bad taste and talk about our least liked episodes. Since we just talked about Bully for Ethan, my number one pick is Bully for Ethan. This is just a nerd being harassed by a bully plot, whatever. But it also introduces that stupid Schmitty plot that I hate and comes out of nowhere. So yeah, that's why I put it on the list. Alrighty, Austin, what is your number one pick for least liked episodes? I did Legacy of Power. It's just a Tommy clip show suck fest. And um, no. Uh, that was my number two pick. So I guess I will talk about that too now since we're here. So yeah, that is the 500th episode clip show. It's kind of boring. And it's not really a good history lesson because they kind of pick and choose stuff to talk about. Except when Tommy's on screen and we got to jerk him off. So yeah, we'll see how great he is. And some scenes where I say mention two things about a season. I think Lost Galaxy is like two sentences where they talk about Lost Galaxy and that's it. Also, Haley says Tommy is the best ranger ever Haley, no honey this is the one negative you have she bounces back real quick though so amber what is your number one pick for worst fighting spirit it's too much tommy that's my number two not the worst episode literally my episodes are for so much bullshit reasons like it's it was a tommy suck fest but not enough because where was turbo red they had to make those suits from scratch so i guess they didn't feel like making red turbo since he shared those powers with tj all right amber what is your number two back in black because too much Bobby. At least Elsa calls him old. I probably would have put Legacy of Power on here if I'd actually remembered more about it. When we did this rewatch, Austin was just like, can we skip this one? And we did. I love how they circled your Tommy, but also they do take a couple of really good pot shots at him. Alrighty, my number three least liked episode is Wave Goodbye. Which one was that? That's the one where Connor thinks about leaving. It's a generic. I want to play soccer, but I have ranger duty, so I'm going to quit. Oh, I saved a little girl and I guess I'm not going to quit. I do think this is important for Connor because it's the very start of his journey to not be a fucking asshole prick. I was looking at the list and I was like, okay, if I have to. Austin, what is your number three? My number three is a test of trust, which is from the end of the season. It's a clip show where they're trying to decide if they can trust Trent or not because they just found out that he was lying to them about. Anton being Mesagog. For some reason, the editing really bothered me. It was not coherent at all. It was very choppy and... Yeah, that part is kind of mer, but the parts where they fight the monster at the end were kind of cool. Alrighty, Amber, what is your number three? My number three is Drawn Into Danger. It's also another bullshit reason. It's just because I did not like... The filters? Yeah, I hated that. I didn't like the special effects. Other than that, it wasn't the worst episode. Very uh, storybook rangers. Phrygia was kind of a cool monster, though. Right? I was like, use more of her damn but like that whole fucking effect was just rash mama Alrighty, so that is the end of our favorite and least favorite thing so let's talk about the pros and the cons of the season so one pro i feel dino thunder has is the characters all the characters for the most part are fully developed and they're all essentially get their own story arcs even the comic relief characters the comedy is another pro for this season the comedy was top notch this season also had some memorable filler like it's a madman mad girl and lost and found in translation and lastly the evil white ranger arc it was was such a good arc to introduce the evil white ranger it was better than green with evil don't at me i also wrote as a pro the 12 episodes where tommy's stuck in the suit i have more cons than pros i have some cons too the story a lot like ninja storm dino thunder kind of had trouble in developing story arcs it had no problem in character arcs but story was kind of a mess like shimedi being a thing and elsa having no backstory destroying their powers stupid one thing i really don't like is when seasons and with rangers power 
towers being destroyed. They did this with Ninja Storm 2 and I fucking hate it. It makes it harder when you want to do a team up and you got to explain how these rangers got their powers back. Either that or you just don't mention a period like Brick Connection. What I love is shit like Lost Galaxy where they just put it back and then it's there if they need it. That's the thing Doug Sloan just did because he did that in season three. I mean, you had to because it got the CO powers, but he just really had a boner for destroying ranger powers. Alrighty, does anyone else have any more cons? I do. So one thing I would have liked is instead of the Triassic Ranger being a power-up, I would have liked it to be uh, another Ranger. And I know the plan was for it to be Devin. And that would have been a really fun episode to see him try to juggle his Ranger duties, but also try to still help Cassidy with her stuff. Alrighty, so let's move on to the theme song, The What's Fucking Slaps. It fucking slaps and I'll fucking fight anybody who says it doesn't. It's a fucking jam. I never skip it. And also the first theme song to not feature the word go in it. Alrighty, Let's move on to the overall story. A slice of life high school season that does a good job balancing high school and teenage drama and portraying these teen rangers like real people, unlike other high school seasons. I'm looking at you, Megaforce and Ninja Steel. And honestly, Mighty Morphin, girl. All right, so I added a little section in here since Dino Thunder appears in a lot of seasons. So let's talk about their later appearances and team-ups. They show up in two episodes of SPD. First one is History, where Connor, Kira, and Ethan are transported to the year 2025 by Broodwing during their one-year high school reunion. Didn't know they had those. Where he somehow got their dino gems and attempted to use them to destroy New Tech City. No spell, mind you. He just wants them to destroy the town. Hell, even Lothor had a goddamn spell. They team up with the SPD Rangers eventually to fight Crybots in the team of Cory, And we learn that Connor opened up soccer camps around the world. Ethan developed tech that they use in SPD and Kira became a world-famous pop singer. However, they forget about all of this due to their memories getting wiped after they return to the present. They do that in the other one, too, Wormhole. So, history is the one where the Dino Thunder Rangers go to the future, but this one is the one where the SPD Rangers go to the past, because Emperor Grum goes to the past to take over Earth in 2004, which so happens to be around the time that Dino Thunder is happening. So, Grum recruits Zaltrax, who is still alive at this point and is still working with Mesogog, I'm guessing, to lead his army for an attack while the SPD Rangers eventually team up with the Dino Rangers including Trent and kind of Tommy because he's voiced by Jeffrey Perrazzo and he's in suit the whole episodes. <laughs> and for some reason again their memories are erased. They just had a little fight in a fucking forest and they had to erase their memories? Why? They can't remember a fight? Is it wormhole or history? That's the no one gets inside thing. Wormhole's the no one gets inside. I do love that. That's probably the best thing about that. No one gets inside! So our next team up is Once a Ranger in Operation Overdrive, where Kira Ford would be a part of the team created by Sentinel Knight to replace the Overdrive Rangers after their connection to the Morphin Grid is served. This is the best thing ever, though. For one line that Adam utters. Which is? The one about not believing that Tommy became a fucking professor. On to Super Mega Force, the legendary battle. So Tommy would show up, of course, to aid in the legendary battle. His team shows up, too. They pose on a mountaintop on the team of Gory. But we never see Tommy in the Black Diamond suit because, of course, we gotta jerk off that Green Ranger suit. Okay, so on to the next team up featuring Dino Thunder Rangers, which is Dimensions in Danger. Tommy again would come back where we learn he's still living in the same house in Reefside and has a son named JJ and possibly married to Cap. He also has a Master Morpher, which he uses to morph into the Black Dino Ranger suit. Trent's also there too, I guess, but he's unconscious for most of this episode. And lastly, the Dino Thunder trio would show up in Great Connection from Power Rangers Beast Morphers. The trio would come back to assist the Beast Morpher Rangers alongside the Dino Charge Rangers and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to fight Evox's army in the Dino Charge dimension, consisting of Goldar Maximus, Snide, and the Chimera Zord. But for some reason, they didn't decide to ask the actors to come back, even though Kevin Duhaney would say yes to that. And they got barely sound light actors to record their ADR. That sounded nothing like them. They got Michael Tabor and Camille Hyde to do their ADR, but fuck them, I guess. It's a Disney season. And lastly, how it compares to other seasons, it's better than the four seasons after. AKA the Kalish era. The Kalish era consists of a season I like, two seasons I hate, and one season I think is okay. Alrighty, does anyone have anything else to say about Dino Thunder before we wrap this up? It's amazing. It's great. Everybody should watch it because it's free to fucking watch on YouTube. Yes, I was going to say that. So Dino Thunder is available to watch for free in full on the Power Rangers official YouTube channel. My last takeaway from Dino Thunder is I'm waiting for the Kira Lightning Collection figure. And also, this is not going to happen for a few months, but our next retrospective will be Lightspeed Rescue. That was where I stopped watching as a child, so that's going to be interesting. So now you have to watch it. 
Alrighty, so that's the end of our Dino Thunder retrospective. So what did you think of Dino Thunder? Do you like it as much as we did? Tweet us at the Grid PR and share your thoughts with us. Join us next week for a brand new episode of the Grid. But until then, everybody say bye. 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 Bye-bye. This has been a Morphin Legacy production, bitches.